Welcome to Netfront Presence. I'm Jeff Gordon of the Post-Dispatch, joined by the beat reporters Jim Thomas and Tom Timmerman. And a, we'll start off with a disclaimer. This uh, this podcast being recorded before our heroes practice on Wednesday, and the roster is fluid. So we can only talk about what we know, and we know some guys will be missing. So, uh, JT, the to me, the most interesting absence is the guy that's kind of held the defense together this year, Colton Pareko, and he's the cornerstone. Uh, JT, will the uh, defense collapse without the cornerstone? Kelly Rosen, come on down. Uh, you're up, uh, buddy. Uh, I think short term, they should be okay. Uh, and uh, that is about the only good thing of uh, the current pandemic life is uh, most of these are short term and, and they just got shorter term, you know, a, a few weeks ago when uh, the uh, uh, minimum quarantine was uh, cut in half to, to five days, but no guarantee uh, that these guys will be back in, uh, in, in, in five days. So far, some have some, some haven't, but uh, yeah, I think short term, just like the, the blues without Tara Sanquin if they, you know, if they had to go without Pareko for a month, then yeah, I, I think it would affect them. But for, for a couple of games, I think they, 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 they should be okay. I think we should acknowledge we kind of, we kind of been saying, how bad can it be anymore? So many people have tested positive. There's no one left to test. And now <laughs> you've got, you know, Peron, Shen, Pareko, possibly Tarasenko all out. Um, until they've got 100% apparently testing positive, um, you know, it, it's still that risk runs there. And, and you know, we're closing in on when the second lap begins. Uh, you know, Brandon Saad is uh, how many days? Is he like two weeks out from uh, testing again, which. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I guess if they if they uh, if they count them from uh, from when they first tested positive or both first showed up on the list it would be january the 21st but yeah they're they're down the uh the, the whoever does the test I, I would assume it's the training staff but uh uh they don't they don't they don't have to uh uh they don't have to take very much time now there's only six guys that they're that they're down to uh uh testing and the irony of all this just goes back to because pareko was one of the few guys who had played in in every game and, and now you've got Marco Scandella as the guy who's played in, in every game so far, a guy who was on the cusp of being uh, uh, scratched a while ago before people got sick. And uh, the, he's the one guy who has made it through uh, all this, um, you know, uh, but to be, be in every game. You know, another tough aspect of all this is that to the veteran guys, the old reliables that were trying to get going again, after missing a significant time, Braden Shen and David Prawn, they're trying to get it going again, and then they got to sit again. And JT, that's got to be really, especially frustrating for guys who have been banged up. They, they're trying to get their game back, their timing back, their legs back, and all that. Now they got to sit again. It's just not been, um, it's been a rough year for Braden Shen overall, and certainly been a rough stretch year for David Prawn. Yeah, for sure. For for Braden Shanna, you talk about a brutal first half of the season. He misses uh, nine games with cracked ribs. Uh, then he comes back. Then he misses five more because of that. And now he's going to miss, uh, I would guess, uh, at least a couple here with uh, with the COVID. So uh, and, uh, you know, you hope it's a case like, say, with Krug and some others where they said they really didn't, uh, uh, Justin Falk, uh, where they said they really didn't have any symptoms. 
as opposed to a Ryan O'Reilly who was on his back for two or three days. And it, it took him a while uh, to, to, to get over it. So yeah, it's been just a, a horrible, uh, horrible time for, uh, uh, Shen and, and, uh, you know, uh, Peron too, Peron, Peron, uh, joins, uh, uh, Jake Wallman in the, uh, you know, the, uh, the two timer, uh, club. Remember the only two players that had COVID, uh, last season, remember there were a couple false positives, but the only two that, uh, had COVID last year were Wallman very late in the season. And then Peron right at the, uh, uh, right at the start of the playoffs, I, I remember I was writing a, a big uh, uh, kind of David Perron feature for the uh, 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 preview, playoff preview section. I was at the airport finishing it up before the plane left and got the news that Perron was on the COVID list. Not quite as bad as that night, which I remember Jeff Gordon uh, in the preseason game against San Diego finishing up the, uh, the Trent Green uh, for the 99 uh, football season, but in, in that same genre. Yeah, well, it turned out Trent didn't have much of a role on that championship run. Oh, Rodney Harrison. Oof. But, uh, you know, in this situation, uh, Tom, it's, uh, it's, it's just been, you know, life as is, uh, just, just life being what it is for the Blues. And, you know, they, they continue to uh, benefit by just having a lot of guys who can play, and particularly up front. And so here we go, just when you thought some guys might start collecting a little bit of rust, they don't. Yeah, it, it has been impressive and just, and I guess they're, they're just used to it by now. Okay. This guy is not going to be in the lineup. This guy, you know, not producing and they have found other ways and they uh, it's, I, I kind of marvel at it where I look at, you know, the, the list of wins they have and it's like, wow, how did that, you know, they, they should, they are, I think they are playing, they are getting points well ahead of what they should have had considering the circumstances. Uh, they keep grinding it out. Um, so one, sometimes those are things that catch up with you when you are winning a lot of games that you shouldn't, um, that you, you know, the odds catch up, but these are different kind of games. It's because there, there are games you win in which you were outplayed, but you get the breaks and you win, but the, the blues have kind of just hung in there in these games and they have played as well as these teams in many occasions. So um, they have managed to play well under these circumstances, which is a testimony to, uh, the guys that are there and the staff that's put it together. Well, yeah, JT, speaking of just hanging around and squeezing out victories. Hey, hey, how about Rick Bonus? How has he settled down yet? Because they were less than a minute away from a well-earned road victory that he just absolutely frustrated the heck out of the blues. Played him super tight. Didn't give up a whole lot in that game. Played exactly the way they wanted to play. Got some good goaltending. And uh, then the Blues caught a break and another break and another break. And before you knew it, they, the Blues had two more points. So, JT, that was, uh, well, I guess it's somewhat, as uh, Ben Hawk wrote, that was somewhat reminiscent of the ending of what happened in the playoffs a few years ago. But, but boy, you just, sometimes you just fall into a win, and there you go. That was just falling into a win. Same end of the ice, too. So it was, it was, it was uh, a little, uh, I don't know if eerie is the right word, but uh... – yeah, the poor, uh, the poor stars. I don't know. Do you, do you find him twenty? He didn't even break the stick. Maybe if he breaks the stick, you find him twenty-five grand. But uh, he couldn't even break the uh, stick, poor Rick. And he's, I, from what I understand, he's he's not one that the, uh, you know, that has these uh, temper tantrums. So you know, it must have been uh, pretty extreme. I mean, you know, uh, uh, the the hockey gods. Uh, I mean, that to me, it's the most 
obviously one of the things we all love about sports as sport writers is the uh, unpredictability of it. But uh, uh, hockey to me is the most unpredictable of all the, 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 the major spectator sports here in the, uh, in the U S and, and uh, uh, which is one of the reasons I find it such a fascinating uh, sport, but you know, uh, a referee misses a call, a puck goes in off a player's uh, shin and uh, uh, all of a sudden, you know, like you said, the, the stars, uh, that was vintage stars play and you're, you, you lose, you don't even get a point. See you later. Thanks for playing. And, and uh, Rick, we want a uh, bonus coach bonus. We want you to, uh, we want you to donate $25,000 to charity. Yeah, I, I think it was he needed to like swing over the boards rather than swinging across on the, the back. I mean, assuming he was trying to break the stick, it had been much more effective coming down on the boards. But but also, I guess there's a becomes a health risk or a safety risk uh, at that point. You know, the, the Blues did play well in the third period on that one. But yeah, I mean, that game turned and it, I mean, I'm writing the game story. And so I've got, you know, it, it, there's a minute left. And so it's kind of say the Blues, you know, blue, you know, lose the game. And, you know, throwing away reams of copy there at the, uh, you know, within that last minute to try to get caught up with the events. Um, yeah, that is something that uh, that happens. And, and that falls into two points that they um, will be glad to have uh, when the uh, when the time when the final num final counting is done. You know, uh, one of my pet peeves, I've got a few, but one of my pet peeves is <laughs> we've noticed. The, uh, yeah, you know, and this and this was evident in this game uh, when you're trying to make the really um, you're trying to make the cute play, uh, the in tight cross ice pass around the goal when there's just heavy congestion. You're trying to thread a needle to make to get that guy at the other side for a tap in, and they seem to be doing that a, a bit against the the Stars. And the Stars just had things on in good. They were in good defensive position the entire game. They played well, and the Blues kept trying to force things, but then. When there's absolutely nothing there, nothing, nothing. The time running out, Cairo just passes it into a crowd. I mean, there was nothing there. There was, I mean, I don't, I mean, yeah, I guess you give him credit for coming out and attacking the net, but there was nothing there. And then it goes in off uh, what a uh, hawk and paw, and uh, there you go. I, it just so there you are. My pet peeves. I was getting all ready to get all worked up about uh, the fact they kept trying to force things. Eh, sometimes JT, it works out. Plus, he was passing it to Thomas. I mean, do we really know that Thomas was going to shoot the puck? <laughs> he was probably going to pass the puck, right? So, uh, yeah, that, that's the irony upon irony of, uh, 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 of that one. But, uh, you know, it, it, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was an amazing uh, day at the rink in uh, history, I guess, the first uh, time in Blues history where they'd scored uh, 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 – in the final minute to, to, to win a game in regulation. And what, what was it? Something like only, it's only happened 11 times in the entire uh, history of the, uh, uh, of the, uh, the league that something like that's happened. So we can understand why bonus. I, I just love the fact uh, uh, we're, we're going to have to really turn it up over the rest of this podcast. Uh, but I love the fact that Tom, because Tom Timmerman breaking down the stick swing by bonus and critiquing it, uh, that's, that's definitely a highlight. Uh, well, I guess once every 54 years or so, you're entitled to a game like that where you uh, snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. But it kind of reminded me of the of the Pittsburgh game where being the, the Blues were up one and they gave up a goal and then there's the, there's the failed challenge and they lose. And, and was it, you know, 12 seconds later, they were behind in that one. Uh, so the Blues have seen that games, games can change uh, quickly. 
Uh, they had one go against them and now one go uh, in their favor. Yeah, the Stars would have been delighted to get and, and probably earned a point out of that one, but um, such is life. One of the uh, one of the happy topics, and folks read about it uh, in, S, uh, in the Post-Dispatch on stltoday.com has been the play of Tory Krug. You know, there's a one persistent uh, blue stand in our chats who um, <laughs> is not happy with Krug because Krug is blocking his boy, Scott Brunovich. Uh, but, but Krug's Krug is the guy, this is the guy that Doug Armstrong wanted. This is, he's not Alex Petrangelo, totally different type of player, but he is doing what Tory Krug does. He's, and JT is doing it at a high level. And, uh, you know, this is the guy that blues wanted different type of guy, but uh, he's certainly been a guy now um, who's emerging on a team that's fun to watch most games as uh, as a as a really nice investment? Yeah, and uh, beyond his offensive uh, prowess and uh, you know leading the power play, he's he's held up uh, uh, defensively and uh, you know kind of quietly had a, a at least so far a, a very effective season. Interesting, you know that a guy that spent his entire career with one team struggled the first year with the new team. Just you know, to some degree, and then second year is uh, you know I, I don't want to say maybe a different player, but at least a noticeably improved player. I mean, very similar to uh, the Justin Falk uh, uh, arrival, and it's it's I think we've all found it to be an interesting pairing because it's really two guys with uh, kind of offense first uh, reputations who've kind of recalibrated their games to in in a way especially Falk uh, uh, defensively to, uh, to suit uh, uh, Craig uh, Baruby. But yeah, Krug's been, uh, been pretty good. Uh, you know, uh, I, I think it remains to be seen as, as Jeff has pointed out uh, Gordo on several occasions, if two smaller offensive minded guys like uh, Krug and Perunovic can, can thrive in a, in, in, in a six man defensive core, but uh, yeah, Krug is, uh, he's definitely, he's definitely earning his pay so far. And and one thing though I will say, and it's maybe the maddening thing about Tory Krug is that I think you know he just leaves the puck lying around sometimes. It would be heading <laughs> up ice. He will. He's he is the king of the drop pass. You know, I, I think you can see more just kind of careless, thoughtless puck play from Krug than maybe anyone else on the defense. Or wait a minute, I'm going to try this cross ice pass that is going to be in Justin Falk's case. Didn't Craig um, Baruby outlaw the drop pass? What, yeah, that well, free about a month and a half ago. Yeah, the, I believe Tory Krug has applied for an exemption. Um, he's <laughs> he's the guy, um, and so that's the one thing for all the good things he does. Uh, yeah. There just are you know, over the course of a game, it seems like there are you know two or three times when it's like, oh, that you know you could have kept the puck there or done something different with it, and you would still have possession. All right, because. I've, I've got to go into a proposed trade mode here as a segue from, from uh, the Tory Krug talk. The, um, the destitute Arizona Coyotes are attempting uh, to a, er, hold an everything must go estate sale. Mm-hmm. So um, Jacob uh, Chikrin is their star piece to that. Everybody wants a top four defenseman, a younger guy entering his prime, uh, good offensive skills, sturdy guy. Uh, had an irritable father, so you think that uh, he, he could have some irritable side to his game as well. Uh, Bill Armstrong is uh, is looking for a big return. And, and he, here's the deal that, uh, that absolutely uh, makes all the sense in the world, okay? We mentioned that uh, 
can Krug and Perunovic exist in the in same universe? Um, maybe not. And Perunovic is a hell of an asset. He's, I think he's going to be an excellent player. I think he's a good player. I think he's going to be an excellent player. Um, Bill Armstrong knows the Blues. Bill Armstrong might want a guy like my boy, Clem Costin, who is, seems to be doomed to um, the edge of the playing rotation, and particularly with Logan Brown competing for similar uh, work. Uh, you could say, I could see them assembling a package with a piece like Perunovic, who's a unique skill guy, but also is uh, superfluous on this team. Get a bigger little guy, bigger, sturdier guy who could fit your mix. Guys, there's your trade. JT, what do you think? So, so who you got yeah, to throw in a first round pick? Got to throw in a pick, of course, or two. But there you go. So what you're giving first rounder Perunovic and Costin? Yeah, for uh, Chikrin. Yeah. You gotta find you're gonna get offense. You're gonna get offense. I'm just not sure what kind of defense uh, Chikrin plays. I mean, you're gonna get a lot of offense though. The guy can skate. The guy can shoot. So uh, yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm well, not. Uh, I'm not sure. Is he minus fifty? I mean, I mean, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> he is uh he's definitely uh uh winter classic temperatures and 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 beyond in terms of uh in terms of uh uh plus minus and of course armstrong knows costin and perunovic he, he's very well a uh, bill armstrong he's he's the guy responsible for uh for drafting them so uh uh yeah that that's a tough one i might have to i don't know if i'd call it it wouldn't be a hard pass but i might i might have to i might have to pass on that one it seems like a big give. I don't know. I, I think there's, there's a, I think it's, I can see, I can see trading cost. And I, I think there's an affection and for Perunovic uh, within the organization, which says that this guy could be, you know, he could, he could be Tory Krug and, uh, and you can never have too many defensemen. So um, yeah, but when you look at what are tradable commodities, you know, who, could the, who would this team be willing to give up? You know, is is he the guy? You know, you know, because when you take out the people that have no trade clauses, I think Braden Shen, by the way, is going to be the new Alexander Steen, where people, you know, people are saying you get you you could trade Shen, and people for years were saying, well, why don't you trade Steen? And the team loved Steen. The, the team had no intention of trading Steen, and I think the team loves Shen, but people say, well, we well, can always trade Braden Shen. I, I and I, I don't see that happening, but. Um, you know, among the younger guys, I don't know exactly what would be the direction I would go in because those are the, obviously the commodities that other teams are going to want. Well, uh, Bill Armstrong has said he wants a Jack Eichel-like return for, for Chikrin. Again, with the guy with the minus uh, 50 or whatever it is uh, <laughs> coming off. It was really having a bad year on a team that's got awful. And uh, I'm not sure if he's a defenseman and you get a lot for a defenseman. I'm not sure how high the price will go. But uh, speaking of Jack Eichel-like returns, guys, uh, Jack Eichel back on the ice wearing the don't hit me in the neck jersey. I think it was actually written on the back of it when he went to <laughs> optional skate yesterday. Uh, big news because he's probably sometime next month, Jack Eichel's going to play for the uh, Golden Knights. And for anybody on this side of the league with any expectations of making a playoff run, uh, that's a headline. It sure is, and uh, boy, just just what the the, the Golden Knights need no, another scorer, right? Uh, this this and, and supposedly he's going to be wearing that uh, uh, "Don't hit me in the neck" uh, jersey for a while. But uh, to me, it seems like it's a little quicker than uh, uh, than we expected that that he's even back on the ice. This isn't the kind of surgery that uh, 
are, or, or is routinely done with hockey players or anyone for that matter. But uh, uh, it's one thing though that I've admired about the uh, the Knights during their young tenure. Boy, they they just go for it and, and they they keep adding assets and they're they're not afraid to take risk. You know, Armstrong is like that uh, to a degree, but uh, uh, maybe maybe not to the degree of. Uh, of uh, trading for guys with uh, with broken necks, but uh, yeah, Feichel's healthy. Oh my gosh, uh, and and I think we all. I, I don't think we disagree here at the net front. I, I think we still regard Colorado and Vegas to the chagrin of some uh, readers who've uh, uh, got gotten on us in the uh, in the chats. Uh, but I think we still regard them as kind of the two teams to beat in the in the in the uh, conference. Yeah. Well, when Eichel's back, that that's when really the uh, the salary cap fun will probably begin in Vegas, where they try to, you know, he comes off long term injured reserve. The, that's when they're going to have to do some, depending on what other guys are coming back. But that's that's when things will uh, kind of force their hands and start getting interesting there as to personnel how they make that all work. Or they could just do the Tampa Bay and, and wait till the playoffs for Eichel. Well, I think they, I think Eichel comes back, but maybe Max uh, Pacioretty decides that he needs the all the way until May to get the wrist healthy because he's out with the uh, wrist surgery. And the guys like Riley Smith, Smith and Dodonoff, um, Gene, our guy Gene uh, Dodonoff has uh, been a nice player for him filling in, but he'll have some value. He's actually played pretty well after dying in what was it Ottawa last year. So he's uh, they'll have a couple guys with some value that they can move. But boy, if uh, if it, what if so here, here's the thing, JT I, and Tom, you guys know tortured fan bases and, and Buffalo has just been, been hit in the groin with a shovel again and again by their franchise, just over and over and over. Anytime there's any hope at all, here comes a shovel right below the belt. <laughs> what if Eichel just goes berserk in Vegas and gets, starts to be like a 120 point a game guy, you know, suddenly he's, he's dry sidle playing on a, with a t- loaded team. I mean, what would, if you're Buffalo Sabres fans, how, how do you go? How do you get through life, JT? It, maybe a leap off Niagara Falls. I mean, I, I don't know because uh, I, I'm sure they're still bemoaning the uh, 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 the success that, that Mr. O'Reilly has had in, in St. Louis. But hey, Tage Thompson is is leading the uh, the Buffalo squad in uh, in in goals this year, so they they they, they have that to, to comfort them. I I, I think. Yeah, that's you just have to take uh, solace out of the uh, the pieces that you've picked up in uh, exchange for these guys. But they are, um, yeah, they they are they are cursed and doomed, and uh, it's back to the rebuilding. I, it's it's amazing how much. And actually, I guess there were some years where they weren't rebuilding. Some years they were disintegrating in there. But now, you know, can they can they out of the ashes form? Um, a snowman or something that uh, will then melt again in, in May or something. It's tough. It, it, that's a tough situation. And that's, and it's a fan base that would love to have a good team, but you know, that, that ownership has just not been able to figure out the bills do fine. The Sabres can't do that. No. Well, another, uh, another big topic, a hot topic, uh, the Edmonton Oilers and Evander Kane guys, um, the Oilers came to town and they were awful. I mean, that team was, it looked as disorganized as any team I think I've, I've seen um, outside of just, you know, really painfully bad the Senators teams or the poor Coyotes or some, you know, teams that are just, you know, not trying to, trying to win. They're awful. And now Ken Holland, who I've uh, spoken so highly of here on the, on the podcast. No, you haven't. He's gone all in on, uh, on Evander Kane. Um, 
which the guy the Sharks couldn't get rid of fast enough guy. So, JT, what do you think of the Oilers? And, and you know, and then adding Kane, who, who's certainly going to score goals on that team, but that seems like the last thing the, the Oilers need to, to add to their team as they try to pull their stuff together. Does he play goalie? Is he a goaltender? Isn't isn't that what they need? Don't don't they need a goalie? Maybe maybe another uh, a high quality defenseman. Yeah, it makes absolutely no sense. I thought it was funny uh, that Ken Holland said, "Hey, everybody needs a second chance." Isn't Evander Kane on like his fourth, fifth, sixth chance? I mean, so yeah, I it's it's a it's a puzzling one. I kind of I kind of figured you might uh, you might be amused by that one, uh, Jeffrey. I, I think Edmonton's at a point where they need to make bold moves i mean you have two of the best players in the league and that's what you know i mean so, sometimes teams have one great player boy you hate to miss you know lose key parts of what they got two of the best players in the league and are doing what they're doing so you uh, you know at this point in time you gotta i guess they gotta try anything they can to kind of salvage this because it's they're in a they're in a bad place yeah the, when that road trip they went on that came through St. Louis. That was that was just not good hockey uh, along the way. Now, there's a good news, bad news for Dave Tippett as Ken Holland uh, faced the media. One was that you know Ken said, "Well, we fired a lot of coaches. We're going to try not to do that again anytime soon." Okay, that's good. But then going back to Kane, I mean, you're Dave Tippett. You've had some great success in the league, making a lot out of little. You know, he's had a history of that. Now he's trying to make. You know, he's made a little out of a lot in the sense of those two superstars. But, boy, if you're a coach trying to get your team to get organized again and say, oh, well, you know, keep, keep your job, Dave, but we're giving you Evander Kane, you know. Um, I mean, about 10 days into this, it could be it could be tough. And maybe this works great, JT, but for a coach that's hanging on by a thread, giving him a, the, one of the more notorious coach killers uh, seems baffling. Yeah, yeah, very baffling to the nth degree. I, I just don't see this uh... – working or him being the missing link or suddenly turning over a, uh, uh, a, a new leaf. It, it's just, uh, a, it was just a, the strangest of moves, uh, uh, for me, Jacob Chikrin, by the way, is minus 29. So he's maybe, maybe kind of, kind of up there or That's, down that, there. That is, that is winter classic weather. Yeah. And I was looking at some of the <laughs> analytics on his, on his offense. It was not good this year. He, he's like 30% below the, league average on uh, isolated impact in games. So uh, he's got some rough numbers there. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe the figure Kane can get into less trouble in, in Edmonton. There's just how much can you do, you know, what can happen in February in Edmonton? Uh, you know, he's got to stay in a finite number of places. But yeah, it, but it's for them, it's got to be worth a try. And I don't think that he would be a coach killer in this because he's going to be really easy for Edmonton to part ways with if, something if it takes a predictably bad turn yeah of course he would sign a minimal deal for just for the rest of the year trying to rebuild the stock he would be highly motivated to go to to Edmonton and score a bunch of power play goals which which he would do there's no question he would start jamming the puck in um so he'd be highly motivated to, to stay out of trouble and Vegas is a long way from Edmonton I don't think that you could catch a quick uh, quick in and out flight so that hopefully he's moved past some of his gambling issues. Hopefully he's figured out the, the divorce so the wife won't keep coming up with embarrassing revelations. Hopefully he's learned that maybe once in a while he needs to pass the puck and not be so self-absorbed. I mean, I go all the way back to, to Dustin Bufflin wanting to strangle him <laughs> in, in, back in Winnipeg. 
So, and I remember my friend, Jim Ryan, the late great Jim Ryan watching the Sabres practice and, and with Rex and Rex asking Evander why he never passes the puck. I mean, I just got to have so many memories of, of Evander, but, but, you know, to Tom's point, he could go there and score 15 goals the second half of the season and nobody would be surprised by that. He can hit people, he can skate, he can fight. Yeah. You know, so there's, you know, there's a reason why teams keep giving him a chance. So we'll see about that. Uh, last topic for the guys on the net front. Uh, the NHL supposedly is sitting on its schedule. It apparently has figured out what it's going to do the rest of the year. You know, again, they're saying they, they intend to play those games that Jim Thomas is flying out for uh, in <laughs> Alberta. Um, they, they said they're done canceling game, postponing games, at least some, some hint that they're done with it. But uh, JT, uh, is there any optimism in the uh, Thomas household that uh, the NHL will go back to playing games and, and figure out how to schedule the Olympic break and just give you some idea how the rest of this campaign is going to play out? Minimal, minimal in terms of uh, optimism. I, 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 I think they're, they're, they're kind of hanging by a thread here, you know, in terms of uh, 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 moving uh Moving forward, we, we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, uh, and, and I realized the financial reasons for not playing in, in half capacity or, or even uh, uh, zero capacity houses. But uh, our, our experience uh, in the COVID world is uh, usually it only gets worse and uh, just play the games while you can. And they, they've kind of backed themselves into it to, to, to a corner, even, uh, you know, in the case of the Blues, uh, Again, there, there could be a couple come off the uh, list if they test out in, in the five-day uh, period, but uh, you're talking six players. Uh, Philadelphia with four players on the list, was can its Tuesday game was canceled with Carolina. That, that's another thing. Uh, it, it, it doesn't seem like, uh, you know, and I get the whole, you know, we're doing this on a case-by-case case, but they're, they're, uh, deal, but there they're just doesn't seem to be a uniform way that they're, they're approaching uh, – uh, some of these games. Uh, uh, I, I guess the, the only thing that might help is, you know, I, I don't know if you call this herd immunity, but, it, but as all these teams approach having everybody at some point on the COVID list, uh, I, I guess you reach a point where uh, uh, you're okay to play because no one's getting tested. Again, only, only uh, six blues are, are getting tested uh, uh, right now, but it's uh it's just a royal mess, and yeah, no, I know I'm not, I'm not, I'm not confident that uh, that I'm going up to uh, Western Canada, to Vancouver, and Calgary at the end of this month. And Tom, uh, you know, uh, be, be ready. I may be stuck up there for two weeks if, by odd chance, I uh, you know test positive up there. Yeah, well, I, let's hope that I don't get uh, test positive in Montreal when I'm up there, and we're both in Canada. That uh, that that would be that would be unfortunate. Yeah, Gordo, you know, come on down. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, you know, they, they keep postponing games, you know, and that's, you know, how can you draw up the schedule when, you know, is, and, and I guess they're, they're thinning out, but they, you know, they, they gotta, they gotta be at a point where they're playing games. I, I was watching, I guess it was the Vegas game last night. And they had a graphic about, you know, the, you know, game, I mean, games that had to be made up by Canadian teams and teams like Ottawa, like, you know, like 14 games or something. They gotta, they, they gotta find a place to play. Um, I, you know, the season is going to have to be extended. I don't see any way in which, you know, even that in that Olympic break, they can't fit 14 games into there. Um, and so how are they going to, how are they going to do that? So I, I it seems to me the, the week, the season has got to get longer and extend past what it currently is supposed to do. 
Well, we're seeing things we never thought we'd see uh, among them. Carolina running out of goaltenders because their guys in the A were sick. Uh, Ranta's uh, injured. They pulled a guy out of college, throw him some money. Um, here's $88,000 in bonus money. And we'll let you make sure you get to get in the NHL game. Leave your college team midseason. Book. Uh, here's some coin. And, uh, and just yank a guy right off his team. And that's <laughs> desperate times, guys. Some crazy things. Winnipeg looked at playing in Saskatoon, but I guess the cost was too high. They were going to they were going to be responsible for making the arena there, um, NHL uh, ready, and also maybe the provincial government caught wind of it and said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa!" You know, we don't want to look stupid being the one province in Canada that's uh, allowing people to play through. So, anyways, it's just insanity. And uh, all we can suggest here on the net front is that you need to stay tuned to. Uh, this podcast week to week, but also just check out stltoday.com several times a day to see what's going on uh, with the blues because it changes its fluid. So for uh, Jim Thomas, for Tom Timmerman, I'm Jeff Gordon. Uh, until next time in the net front, see ya. <laughs>